Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport, and brought to you from the nation's busiest railway station, Waterloo. Well, David, it's the, I think it's the busiest in terms of passenger volume and okay. not in terms of uh, rail traffic. Right, uh, this is going to be one of those podcasts where I learn stuff, isn't it? <laughs> I learned about International Happiness Day a week ago and now I know about Waterloo being the busiest train station uh, in the UK. Do you know which is the busiest in terms of rail traffic? No. Do you want to take a guess? Euston. Oh, come on. St Pancras Scaffin Junction alright fine train every 13 seconds in, in peak times uh, so yeah we're at Waterloo Station tennis podcast listeners <laughs> turn it off in droves you, bringing you all the info about uh, railways and a bit of, bit of tennis here and there there's but loads mostly, of tennis mostly this will be a railway themed tennis podcast um, David how are you doing I'm doing very well there's loads and loads and loads of tennis to talk about this week because Miami's on uh, Andy Murray's out he's got an elbow problem we're going to be talking all about that loads and loads of matches to talk about I and don't spoil it no, wait a minute, all, David wait a minute, I'm wait presenting, a I'm in I charge I haven't finished of... yet and Catherine Whittaker before we get on to any of that <laughs> any of that the reason I've just completely sabotaged the, your presenting of the podcast is to draw attention to the fact that Catherine for the first time in the five years that we've been presenting this podcast for the first time in the 31 I, in, years I've been alive in David. the 31 years she's been alive what happened last night Catherine I beat my brother at tennis <laughs> I, to be clear I beat my brother at tennis I mean really honestly he's 6 foot 5 inches six. tall he's, he's, adju- he's adjusted it up he's done a Karlovich he says he's now 6 foot 6 he can actually play tennis and and Catherine beat him fairly yeah, and squarely the words he splotted in defeat were the really annoying thing is I was playing quite well right so how did you do it Give us your match I, did, I re- did, really did play the match of my life. At one point, I won a uh, rally, um, won a point with a topspin lob over my six foot six inch brother, and it drew spontaneous applause from some passing dog walkers. No, it didn't. It re- genuinely did. Genuinely did. And I, yeah, I'm worried that, you know, my life has peaked now. And it's all downhill from Probably, here. Yeah. Is, there, so is there any better feeling than no. spontaneous applause from passing uh, if, if, if you If you don't believe us, uh, just go and have a look at the, the Instagram or Facebook pages of the Tennis Podcast. And you have never seen happiness until you see the look it on Catherine's face. It is unbridled joy. And her <laughs> really crushed is. brother in, in the background. In the interest of full disclosure, I probably should reveal that we do play a form of the game where serving doesn't happen because he's six foot six and he's got a monster serve and my serving is rubbish so it just levels the playing field a little bit just a little bit well I didn't know that before I went and brought it up I mean does, that does it doesn't not diminish count. it at all it doesn't yes, it diminish does. it at all it does it, it just speaks speaks to the uh, dominance of my ground strokes David well I'm glad you That's brought that does. up eventually I mean it's, I really knew nothing about that I mean to me that that renders the match null and void. It's like it's, it would be like having to play Ivo Karlovic. It would be a non-starter. And I've I've ball toss issues anyway. Right then, let's <laughs> get on with the show. I mean, I shouldn't I shouldn't? Nobody requested full disclosure. I should have just uh, should have just ploughed on. You had my un, but, um, unfiltered respect until about 
28 now, seconds now ago. Now it's filtered respect. I'll take yeah. it, though, David. I'll take it. Uh, should we talk about some professional tennis players? Real tennis players, yeah. Unless you want to... Have you got any more um, railway-based questioning no, for me? No, or, I'm all no, out. no, we've got to actually talk about tennis yeah. now. We'll do that for a bit, and then we'll come back to some fun facts about UK railways. We're going to talk about on-court coaching. We're gonna, we are going to properly get into on-court coaching because Simon Briggs has written a very interesting um, some would say controversial article about it and we're going to use that as a sort of um, poll around which to dance our debate poll? around a May poll. A poll vault. It's trying to be topical it's not even April yet. Anyway um, let's start off with before we move on to Miami which is obviously where the majority of the world's tennis news is coming from at the moment uh, we must talk about some breaking Andy Murray world number one news. Simon Briggs is out in Miami. He's been speaking to Jamie Murray. Now, the last information we had about Andy was that he had withdrawn from Miami with uh, an elbow, an unspecified right elbow injury. He then came down with flu in Miami, which delayed his return home. Um, that's a separate thing. He seems to have recovered from the flu, but Simon Briggs has spoken to Jamie Murray, who's into the quarterfinals uh, with Bruno Suarez out in Miami. And Jamie says that uh, the injury is rather worse than we hoped, and it is actually a tear to the right elbow. And we're unsure exactly how long he'll be out for. I think he referenced hope him him hoping to be fit for Madrid. It sounds like Monte Carlo might be unlikely at the very least. Now, this is a more serious injury than we thought, isn't it, David? Well, so what Simon actually said was the the word in the locker room is that he may not be back until Madrid, and and I think. I think Simon was, yeah, he's, he's spoken to a few people that, that, that he thinks may have a bit of an inside track on it. We certainly haven't had any sort of confirmation of that. We haven't even had confirmation that Andy Murray's not going to play Davis Cup, although that seems very unlikely at this stage. Um, you know, he's had a rough run, really, hasn't he? Shingles that he had uh, a couple of months ago or six weeks ago. He, he then had this elbow injury, which um, you can kind of trace when it happened because he played in Indian Wells then he he lost he was seen serving at about 10pm at night on, on the main centre court in Indian Wells then he went to Miami and pulled out and so it's around about that period or maybe he was testing the serve at that point as a fitness test you know and, and Jamie reported to Simon that it is on the serve unsurprisingly that, yeah. that the elbow injury is most affecting him he also had uh, a bit of flu as well while he was in Miami which apparently delayed his journey back to the UK because obviously there's a, a Davies Cup quarter final in, in France just the week after Miami which so, it sounds like we're now going to lose yeah well <laughs> let's be honest I mean no disrespect to Dan Evans but we are probably going to lose I don't know you know there's a lot of a lot of players out for, for France as well Gael Monfils is now out of that time yeah but they've too. got so many to come I mean they could lose five players and still have a really strong team true look they're, they're, they're unquestionably favourites but Kyle Edmonds best surface is clay you know he can do some damage on indoor clay as far as I'm concerned I think I think it is going to be a real stretch for Evans to win Singles rubbers certainly on. Given on that play. in his mind, he pretty much writes off the clay court season, doesn't he? He certainly has in the past. I mean, last year he didn't play it at all. I mean, he 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 just decided to to play challenges, and so you know he's going to have to play clay court season this year. Anyway, yeah, we digress. We yeah, digress. We digress. This is about Andy Murray. I've somehow found a way to to get conversation on. To get, got David talking about Dan Evans, which is his favourite topic of conversation as our resident Solly Hole correspondent Um, but yes on the subject of Andy Murray it could all be really really bad luck and it does happen and there is sort of a precedent for injuries and illnesses sort of snowballing in this kind of way when you're feeling a bit depleted as he obviously has been with shingles and flu and all the rest of it you're more susceptible to injury it could be bad luck but do you think any of this is symptomatic of the effort, the sheer gargantuan effort it required for him to haul himself up to the number one position at the end of last year? Do you think he is now feeling the effects of that? Could, could well be. And there are clear parallels, at least on, on the surface, to be drawn with Novak Djokovic, who, who 
12 months ago was going through his own six months like he'd never had before where he was winning an incredible amount of matches okay he had had it before but he he had to haul himself over the line didn't he at at the French Open and he hasn't been the same since I mean he's had some good results he got to the final of the US Open he's had final appearance to the O2 but it still has never really been the the real Novak Djokovic and he's he's also out of Miami with with an elbow problem so and we have far fewer details still about that elbow yeah. problem than we than we perhaps do now about Murray. So it could be a very interesting start to the clay court season. Well, the whole year is is just intriguing, isn't it? Because the two players that have dominated everything really for the past two or three years are, are just not really factors at the moment. Obviously, Murray's still number one in the world because of that points gap that he's built up. But that is going to catch up. I don't really take, frankly, too much notice of it um, him being number one because he doesn't feel like number one at the moment because he's not a factor he's not even playing the sport so you know he will have to rebuild he'll have to rebuild his fitness his confidence his aura I think with in the mind of the other players I think he started this year with everybody looking at him and thinking god this guy just ran through brick walls at the end of last year Djokovic did the same in in uh, in the spring and uh, early summer last year and I think that that gives you something in the bank for a while and it's alarming how quickly that aura can be eroded it, it seems like this impenetrable force field sometimes when a player is in their absolute pomp as you say this time last year for Djokovic players did look like they were walking onto the court three love down against him before they'd even started the warm-up and in the blink of an eye that can turn to players walking onto court thinking this is my big opportunity to get a big scalp against a really and, and tough I think, player. I think part of it is the losses they sustain I think Djokovic losing to Sam Querrey, even though he's a dangerous player with lots of power, I think a lot of players looked to that and thought, well, I've beaten Sam Querrey. And so, you know... If I feel he, like I could beat Sam Querrey at the moment, David. Well, Catherine, you know, as long as serves taken out of it, <laughs> you, know, you can beat anybody, apparently. But I could probably beat Ivo Karlovic I tell you in what, a non-serving contest. If Roger Federer <laughs> was forced to play left-handed with no serve, sitting down... I'll take that. I think you might I will take that. have a chance. Uh, but, you know, I, I, definitely think, um, I definitely think that that make, makes people think, oh, you know, I, I, I've got a chance against this guy. And, it, and it, it's, it's, it's made this year very interesting. I mean, look, I don't wish injuries on any of these guys. And I feel sorry for Djokovic and Murray if they're suffering with elbow problems. It must be so frustrating to be otherwise OK and just not be able to use your racket arm. So... Um, but what it has done is it's it's given Federer a little window, which my goodness, he's jumped through a little um, window. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's looking like French doors at the moment. <laughs> so he's flying, and uh, and other players too. You know, there's there's an opportunity out there for for a number of players to really make an impact this year. There certainly is, and we're going to talk about a number of them uh, over the course of the podcast. But first and foremost, without further ado, David, let's talk on-court coaching. You've been commentating for BT Sports uh, on the WTA event in Miami, and yet again, on-court coaching is so in the spotlight, isn't it? For good and for bad, depending on your perspective. And Simon Briggs has written this article in The Telegraph, published today, uh, online yesterday, where he's argued that it is quote a long and unrewarding gimmick uh, that's sort of effectively been trialed by the WTA and has now been he deems it to have failed and should be abandoned and and he cited several examples I think the most glaring one of late is obviously what happened with Muguruza a couple of days ago in Miami where there was quite an uncomfortable exchange with her coach Sam Sumik, wasn't there, David? There was. Uh, in short, she swore, allegedly, in his direction while he was sitting down. Allegedly. Uh, and <laughs> alleg- <laughs> allegedly by Sam Sumik, uh, who then came onto the court and certainly repeated that word um, in telling her never so to say... So much alleged swearing. And, to, and, and <laughs> came onto the court and said, never say that again to me, you know, or, you know, that was the gist of it. She apologised. Um 
it was uncomfortable. They've had a few uncomfortable ones over the course of the last 12 months. Can you imagine if Ivan Lendl came on and <laughs> said well, to Andy Murray, oh, well, if, if you ever... Wouldn't you love to ever see ever say anything? Yeah, I absolutely would. Yeah, I am a fan. I'm not saying it You're doesn't give Uncle rise Kesha. to some uncomfortable moments, and perhaps there should be some more specific rules and guidance in place with with regard. I know you got a bit of grief about calling out the fact that the swearing was happening when the umpire couldn't pick up on it but obviously it was completely audible on the TV mics and we had um, Lauren Davis's coach uh, was called on court in her first round Miami match and the first thing he said was can I take my shirt off I'd quite like to get a tan and of course that was picked up yeah. by the microphones and the, it was just a joke I the, think the, but there are unquestionably some some issues with the whole thing I, I, I did, I, I've just spent the last hour having a little read up on on the history of when it came in. It was 2008, Larry Scott was in power at the WTA at the time. He is a pretty innovative guy. He's now uh, working in college sports in the States. He's, he's a really good operator in many ways. He, he brought this on board. He felt that it was going to open up the communications channels for spectators to get a real insight into what goes on. And, uh, you know, you look at other sports, boxing, they mic up the corner men talking to the boxers in between rounds they do the same with the formula one drivers you can hear the exchanges between the driver and the the pit lane we we've not got that in tennis until this came in that that just didn't exist now it is and yet tennis has these built-in periods of reflection for the player where you see them sat the change events you get to sort of gaze into their eyes and you're aware that they have this minute and a half to chew over in their mind and what's happening out there and yet it's so frustrating because you you, you can't can't know what's yeah. going on. And it's, it is fascinating sometimes to hear the conversation. Sometimes it's alarming. You, 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 I, I, there are occasionally moments where I think, oh, I wish I hadn't heard that. I feel like I'm intruding or I feel uncomfortable listening to it. It depends where you stand. There are, there are so many issues with it. I think the most significant one for me is the fact that it it is just not being taken up across the sport so you have this situation where you get to the biggest tournaments in the world and the players can't do it the whole of the men's game doesn't have it and the question is should the the women's game have just plowed through and said we're doing it which is what they did and hopefully other, everybody else will follow, but regardless, well, I, we're doing personally, it. Personally, I applaud them for doing that because they've just gone, well, we think this is a cool, good thing. It, You know, in Steve Simon's words, the audience wants access, and and they do. I, I, I'm actually surprised at how much, how divided audience opinion is on it. I would expect, I can understand why ex-players and those sorts of voices are often opposed to it but I would expect audiences to be very much in favour Where do you stand on the fact or the view of many that this is not a good look for the women's game okay, to, I'll be, tell you exactly to be where constantly so, sitting down and inviting usually a male coach onto the court to tell them what to do Well Simon Briggs brings up this topic he says how about the anti-feminist image presented by women seeking mid-match guidance from coaches who are almost exclusively male um, for me, that's all about the lens of perspective. If you see, if you see women's tennis and tennis in general slash the world through sort of a you know uh, a, a sexist lens, then that is how you will view that. You will view it as a sign of weakness that women are seeking help from men. Nobody views nobody views boxing in that way. Okay, you've got the slight, you have got the angle of it is almost exclusively male te- male coaches. But then I would put that's just an entirely separate issue about we need more female coaches in women's tennis, in tennis in general, and that's a separate issue. It, it's all about the lens of perspective. There is nothing weak about everybody has coaches. Everybody goes onto court with a game plan that they have devised with the help and guidance of others. And actually it's completely accepted that in modern tennis, the, the bigger you are, the better a player you are, the more your entourage expands, the more you seek 
counsel from others, that's not seen as a sign of weakness, seeking counsel from more and more other people. So the fact that you get it specifically during matches and in a way that can be heard from other people, I don't see that as remotely a sign of weakness. I think, yeah, that's all about your lens of perspective. There is a slight issue that we have in that we have Serena Williams... Well, she's not at the top of the sport at the moment, but for many, she's the de facto top of the sport. She she will never do it. I I haven't seen Angelique Kerber bring tools and bells on. No, she does. She doesn't do it very often. Yeah, then she, she does do it though. But I, I think the it, it brings into view another issue with it is that there is only a small part of the world's audience that can necessarily actually understand what's being said you have to if 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 Torben Belts and Angelique Kerber are talking you need to be a German speaker to understand what's going on that's unsatisfactory for for anybody who can't speak German now you know how many how many languages might you be able to translate I know it's a problem um, and, and there's a, a massive worldwide audience to me in an ideal world, you would you would have two things happening to 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 hit the the, the moment that I'd love to see, which is probably recording these exchanges and playing them in um, when you can, and, and turning them around very quickly and getting the best of them, and frankly not using them if they're not any good, if they're not interesting. I wouldn't use them because sometimes you are sitting there as a commentator, for instance, and you're thinking either. My audience, certainly in the UK, for instance, is is going to be primarily English speakers. There are a lot of these conversations that we just don't understand unless one of the commentators or production staff can give us a bit of a translation. Um, and the other thing is, you, you have the swearing, that sort of thing. Unless it's really bad, I don't I don't mind. You can apologise. It was very uncomfortable with um, the coach of Pavlichenkova the other day, which is what caused the exchange, is that he was just coming on and swearing every other word in conversation, and it was really... It was, you know, it's just, come on. You, you just you just look silly, mate. Somebody needs to tell you. It's like you don't even know you're on TV. Um, and so that that's what caused that. But for me, if it was recorded turned around very quickly with somebody who had an editorial eye on it an ear on it who who was thinking that's interesting people would want to see that as part of the the show's production here that gives insight well let's have that in you know i don't want to stop it i don't necessarily think it should just be open mic stuff because um you know you get a lot of rubbish with with the the gems there there are a few gems that as a commentator and as a spectator i really want to know about the conversations that go on but so I'd like to, it to be more selective and I'd love to see some form of subtitles for, for languages that, that, that maybe the, the wider audience and certainly the English speaking audience can't understand I mean maybe that's too much of an ask production wise but if the WTA in their whole production of all of these tennis matches were to plough money into that how interesting could that be for people to understand and get an insight into to what is going on out there? I completely agree with all of those suggestions. Let's do it. Right. I really, I really, I really think those are all great suggestions. I, I, I think, in principle, it's a really good thing. Um, it does need some refinement. It needs some more formality to it. The open mic thing and the just sometimes it. And I notice sometimes you have to register your coach. You have to sign in your coach and say, this is my coach this week. This is, you know, if I call for on-court coaching, this is the person that will be coming on. Well, sometimes a different person runs on to who they've registered. That happened with um, Heather Watson in Acapulco. Uh, She had registered her coach, JL, and the uh, doubles player, Michael Venus, came running on. And it it flustered me as well as a commentator because I was thinking... It doesn't look like her coach, JL. That looks like somebody else that's quite... Fam- I recognise that bloke, but I can't put my finger on who he is. But I don't quite trust my... The graphic is saying it's JL. What do I do here? And it's all just sort of, you know, it's just not formalised enough. So I think a bit of editorial input and a bit of formalisation would go an awful long way. And we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater because there is something good here. Which is it a problem though that the rest of the sport is not taking this up? The fact Absolutely, that you get to I the slams and it's not happening, and that the men's game have frankly shown no yeah, interest in doing. Yeah, but I think the answer to that is for the rest of the sport to do it. 
not for the WTA and to that, say. But that gets to the bottom of the problem of one of the main problems of tennis that there is no way of doing that there are so many different factions with different interests different opinions different levels of power and you are never going to bring them all together unless you all agree i know and if i think about that too much i'd just get depressed and start crying david because yeah it, i mean it would so infinitely improve our sport if there was more so if it's not going to happen if they're not going to catch up and say well we'll do it as well should women's tennis stop doing it no, because I think if they instituted all those changes suggested by Mr. David Law on the Tennis Podcast and really, really made it work the way I think it can work, I actually think... It, 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 why wouldn't the other elements, the other areas of the sport take notice and go, hang on a second, OK, we should be doing this? So if you made it really good, then it would be yeah. so compelling that it would be impossible to ignore. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, uh, a few viewers on Twitter at Tennis oh, he's Podcast. Sneaky. He's Mo- basically sneaky in a poll. Well, I tell you, here. I really am because I ran to on this as well. On court coaching, uh, GB Tennis Tracker says, "I love to watch it, but you have to feel it's an invasion of privacy." Okay, Richard Woodward says, "I love it." Christine McKenzie says, "I hate it, especially the gender stereotypes it fosters in the women's game." Yeah, Rem- it does, but that's because of people that see gender stereotypes. We shouldn't change. Yeah. I find that your response to that I find find really interesting and, and quite I'm quite pleased that you see it like that um, you know because it, it, I can understand why people would 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 reach that conclusion but I, but my my response to it has always been well you, what you're essentially saying is the fact that the men aren't doing it is your problem with this not not the fact that the women are doing it it's just the fact that it's only only the only the women's game that are doing it well that's not a reason in itself on its own just to just to say right well this shouldn't be happening um that's my view rebecca says i love it and i hope to see it introduced to atp events soon maybe even the slams matt roberts student matt our very own says i strongly dislike it it is contrary to core tennis values uh the individual problem solving of the sport there are poor aesthetics involved and it is permitted inconsistently. Very interesting. Student Matt. Catherine's uh, just, just pondering on that, Student Matt. Uh, Mary Carrillo is right up against it on Tennis Channel and we love Mary Carrillo. We think she's brilliant. But on this occasion, we're not completely... But ex-players generally are. They are. And, and, and it's quite interesting. Martina Navratilova, who we've had on this show, who I've commentated with and talked to about this issue, said that when it first came on... She really liked the idea of on-court coaching. She was fully supportive of it, and she's changed her mind. She, she has started to, to not like the fact that it isn't consistent across the sport, particularly with the slams. So that, and I do think that that is a problem for individual players. I think I saw Simona Halep last night, and she was really, really good. She did not have Darren Cahill come onto the court, and I believe he's made a conscious decision with her that... I only come onto the court if it's really necessary because I do not want you getting used to it. Yeah, you don't want to come given to rely on it. That we come to a slam and you can't do it. It's problematic, no doubt. I just think the response to that isn't to say, oh, we've had this really good idea that nobody else is taking notice of, so let's just do away with the good idea. Should we have a pole vault on the subject? No. Let's do it. Uh, on court coaching, would you like tennis to A? Stop groaning. Uh, would you like tennis to A, ban all match coaching, uh, B, keep it as it is, C, edit on-court coaching for the best bits, which is my suggestion, only 3% went with that. Yeah, but uh, they, have, they hadn't, this ridiculousness of pole vault, you couldn't edit for the best bits. I mean, everybody's interpretation of that will be different. Um, uh. Catherine's not happy with the whole pole vault, uh, as you may well expect. Uh, and, and D, allow coaching from the stand, which is Steve Simon's uh, suggestion. I mean, that, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Coaches. But he wants that in addition. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, which, uh, which I have to say, I don't agree with that for me makes it more haphazard and less able to police it and formalise it and I think that would be chaos personally but on court coaching 58% of you want it banned altogether yeah on court coaching which is very interesting 660 votes on that uh, when coaches come on court how many up, of them were porn bots none of them I don't think any of them were, Catherine Whittaker. Uh, when coaches come on court mic'd up and swear does it bother you does it bother you Catherine Whittaker? No, I mean, the odd swear word here and there. I think uh, I agree 
Pavlyuchenkova's coach took it too far. You know, I don't. I, I mean, yeah, I. I. No, I'm not not remotely offended by swearing personally, but that's just your personal sensitivities, isn't it? Um, so, each to their own on that. It's it, probably the safest thing is if there is a no swearing rule. And generally, I think if you're a good coach, you should probably be able to convey your message well without swearing. Yes, probably should. Anyway, so that is pretty much the the landscape as to on-court coaching. I, I mean, the WTA does not appear to be backing down for a second on this. And, you know, I applaud their, their belief in their decision to go with this and to, to keep doing it. it it does feel as though that we're, we're going to be treading water for a while, and particularly unless, as we said, they really plough thought and investment into this and make it better because it, at the moment it feels... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Like they're doing it, but they're not really doing it. Yeah, they need to listen to the tennis podcast and uh, take up all of our suggestions. That is... The answer. Uh, we'll talk about the men's a bit. We're a bit up ourselves, aren't we? <laughs> we'll eh? talk about the men's a bit in due course. I'm so buoyant, David, from yesterday that right. I'm just, just just so darn pleased with myself. Um, what else has been happening uh, in Miami in terms of winning women's tennis uh, other than uh, swearing players and swearing coaches? Uh, Joe Conta, a couple of really grinding wins, but um, better form against she Pauline Parmentier. Yeah, she was very good against Parmentier. Uh, she she looked pretty ropey a couple of days earlier against Alexandra Sasnovich and very similar to the, the loss she took in Indian Wells where she just didn't seem to be completely trusting her game. But then Joe Jury pointed out it was really windy that day and, and her game is built on that metronomic consistency, just powering these arrow-like ground strokes into the corners and it's difficult to play that type of game in high winds you know you're not going to be as consistent it is going to be more erratic and she and needs then, me for on-court coaching because let me tell you it was pretty windy yesterday and my arrow-like ground strokes did not suffer one bit David <laughs> right. no, I was just fine okay just don't let the opponent serve and that's all Joe Contenise just hit them so hard that they they stay hit right that's uh, my advice okay <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so I'm not going to have my rematch with you. I, I really don't don't like the sound of the confidence coming across the table here. The um, 
the gist of the, of the match for Conta though yesterday was the fact that it wasn't windy and she got herself back to normal form really and, and there was no contest after about three all it was 6-4-6 six, six, love so she now faces Lara Arobarena who uh, beat Madison Keys last night who had 10 break points in the first set didn't take any of them um, had a shoulder issue and had treatment for eight minutes at the end of the set and, and then lost in straight sets and she was she just panicked in the end and started blasting all over the place um, just a, a small note as well really upsetting to see after the match that within within two minutes of the end of that match Madison Keys let her Twitter followers in on a message that she'd received from somebody who follows her I, and I, you know I'm not going to repeat any of the words in that tweet it was it was deeply disturbing and and that's the sort of thing that tennis players have every single time they play a match that they lose they get abused online and I you know I don't know what the answer is I mean it'd be you know there's a part of me that thinks just block all of these people don't in fact don't even go on social media if you're a tennis player but you can't block them all you can't defeat internet stupid David no I, I understand but I mean you know, the, like I said, there's a part of me that thinks I wish she just didn't have an account, so she didn't have to be subjected or know about this kind of feeling out there. Yeah, but and that's it, letting them win. Well, isn't and, it? And, and and that's ultimately my my conclusion to it as well. Um, I, I applaud her for making everybody aware of of the ugliness out there, uh, and I I personally did the tiny little bit that I could, which is to report that person, um, and. and just disgusts me frankly uh, and I think pe- people don't realise you know yeah it's a nice glamorous live tennis and all that sort of thing but goodness me there's some unpleasantness out there yeah there sure is um, Samina Halep she won last night and I've, I and a good win for her also in round two over Naomi Osaka that was tricky three sets that one she looked really good she did but Samantha I can't Halep remember as I was writing her into the agenda I can't remember the last time I put her no, on a tennis podcast she's not agenda, she's not in. She's not been in the conversation for and a while. I, and again, has she? I wonder what. That's why I think maybe the building blocks of what Darren Cahill is trying to do is to get her to be just self-sufficient, to feel good on courts without needing to rely on him too much. She last night her focus, and she, you know, another advocate for freshness. She looked fresh out there, and I mean, yes, her opponent in terms of pedigree and at Contavet is not in her class she played really well she qualified won four matches and played really well early on but Halep looked the business last night and uh, she she could be if she stays in that sort of form she's she's a match for anybody other than Serena at top four she should absolutely be in the conversation it made me sad to realize that you know I just not really thought about her as a contender for these tournaments for a while and she absolutely should be. Mirjana Lucic Baroni, she absolutely blitzed Agnieszka Radvanska second time this year. She's Who's having done a that. rough year. Agnieszka Radvanska she has is. done nothing so far this year. Uh, and she, I mean, she got to the final of Sydney. She was beaten heavily by Joe Conta in that final. And that's, as you say, twice that Lucic Baroni has beaten her very, very straightforwardly. 16 winners, two unforced errors. That's the level of performance that we're talking about. Could she win a slam, David? We've talked so much about, you know, the fairy tale run uh, in Australia. And I think we talked about that, that, that as sort of this wonderful moment in itself rather than, you know, when, when a young player makes a run to a semi-final of the slam. It's all about the future and the potential. And, wow, if that's what they're doing now, then, you know, any matter of time before they win one. OK, you know, she doesn't have infinite time at 34 years of age, but... I saw her in Acapulco and she was the best player by far that week. I mean, when she is on, she is unplayable. She ended up having a, a stomach bug, didn't she? She was sick for the final uh, against Lisha Serenko, uh, and uh, sorry, semi final against Lisha Serenko, and had to retire at Fall Love Down or something like that. And it was such a shame. Such a shame. Because she in was a, in answer to your question, dominant yes, player. There's no question. If, if things fell her way and she played her best tennis, she has such power that, that, that well, well, probably, yes, she could. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think she will, personally. I think you, you have to look at the, the odds, really, in terms of everybody else and, and all that sort of thing. So I think probably she won't win a Grand Slam tournament. But uh, we, we, we've had so many strange 
or surprising results at least this year, not least 35 and 36-year-olds getting to Grand Slam finals. And, and, I mean, Venus Williams last night was absolutely brilliant. She, she, looked, she looked 26, not 36. So, yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting year in that way. There's, there's such an open field. And yet you've still got all these big star names as well. Yeah, but, but it, is, it seems to have just sort of shifted from all oh, these these uh, elder statesmen and women have, are having these wonderful runs and it's great to see to actually these elder statesmen and women are sort of dominating tennis again. And, you know, I don't know anybody that's going to want to blame Mariana Lucic-Broni at Wimbledon. That's I include Serena Williams in that. I'm not saying I'd be backing Lucic-Broni against... Serena Williams at Wimbledon but nobody will want to play her the only thing I would say is Lucic Baroni has a game of very small margins because she is trying to hit winners basically off every shot regardless of where it is wherever she is on the court that is a pretty low percentage game and it all has to be working yeah when there's there's no plan b there's no there's not many she doesn't grind out many victories it's all you know but when she is on it is something to behold. It is the the sound that the ball makes coming off her racket. It is unbelievable. Um, we have had a few more players this week. We're not going to go into the whole Sharapova debate again because we've done it so much, but there have been more players coming out against the uh, Stuttgart wildcard and against her receiving wildcards in general. Dominika Silvakova was pretty strong on it. Heather Watson spoke out against it which I found interesting because she's an IMG client as is Sharapova and I I think that's not insignificant um, because I I don't know anything specific but surely there would be sort of internal pressure from and we know there's sponsor I I certainly think that they would prefer her not to to speak out on the subject Uh, I've tended to find with Heather if you ask her a straight question you get a straight answer so uh, that would be you know the, the reason for that, I would imagine, particularly after a, a defeat, uh, I think players tend to be less guarded uh, when they're when they're obviously disappointed. That and they think about the consequences too much. And Steve Simon, as a result, there, there's been so much speaking out now, specifically on the wild card issue, which is what we're talking about here. There's been so much talk about it from really significant players at the top of the game that Steve Simon has said that nothing definite no specifics nothing but he will at least contemplate the possibility of a rule change he said it's something that needs to be looked at uh, so it's going to be interesting because it's yeah. it's really That's put in, in the spotlight of this an ability to have unlimited wild cards isn't it if offered um, uh, upon having had uh, an anti-doping test violation yeah so that as i say we won't get into the whole debate but that is rumbling on and it's not going anywhere because Stuttgart is uh, it's just around the corner now it is approaching quickly and it is going to be it's going to be a circus is what it's going to be uh, when we finally get there and uh, yeah well we, we'll just have to how many members of WTA communications staff do you think there will be in Stuttgart there'll be a lot of a lot of people there put it that way there'll be a lot of journalists there I tell you I, the, the do you think all all, do you think all the British papers will go? All the co- national correspondents? Do you think any? I certainly is, think is, there, is there will big? be a, there will be certainly four or five. I would think there would be there, there, and I wouldn't mind a bet that there will be there will be news journalists there, people that that do not cover tennis week in week out, that are there for the day that Maria Sharapova returns, wanting to file their sort of pieces to camera um, to to have a, a presence there. It, it is a big story that's big sports news story and that that alone probably in the Stuttgart organizers mind justifies the world card doesn't it I mean that's the sort of yeah I mean it's promotion that they it's it's quite an interesting one I I, I listened to an interview with uh with our our friends at uh, the NCR tennis podcast uh, did with Marcus Guntart the uh, the tournament director in um, in Stuttgart somebody that I've known on the circuit for a long time he he was at pains to point out that um the the awarding of the the wild card is due to the relationship that they've had with Sharapova over the years. She's obviously a, a Porsche sponsored athlete as well, which is the title sponsor of that tournament. He was saying that we sell the tickets anyway. And look, I tell you what, when you see the tournament, it is one of the most impressively run tournaments on the circuit. Full house every single day. But the fact is, and he may not admit it, but there's no question 
that having Maria Sharapova in your tournament will get more eyeballs on that tennis tournament. Having her there in the first match back after after a doping suspension will only multiply that. And you know, it may be a bit uncomfortable to to look at it like that. People may not want to admit it, but they're aware of it. Everybody's aware of the fact that this is a massive global news story, her return. And yeah, I, I think that there are people out there, and I'm not necessarily saying the tournament director is this person, but there will be some people out there that are rubbing their hands together over that. Much like I was yesterday. Um, <laughs> After your big victory, yes. Did you, what did you get for it? Did you get it any prize I can money? Use, or? I can use that victory as a segue for anything. <laughs> it does appear to be That's that what way. I'm now uh, realising. Uh, how, um, how is your brother dealing with it? What is he going to do? You know, uh, he, demanded, he demanded that this? we play another set immediately <laughs> so Did he? he could rectify is that things. why you left and I, I, know, I know I agreed to it but I demanded that it not go it not the result not be recorded so it what was, happened in that set I, I was I was leading and then it Anyway. No, hold on a minute. No, you know, because I you know demanded this... that the results would not be recorded, and if it goes in the tennis podcast, that is literally so what, the results you, being recorded. Victoria won... Azarenka says she's coming back, David. Uh, she's planning to come back for the US Open series. I lost that set. When I you lost won... that set. Hold on a minute. Um, when, when you won the set that you did win, it, it was a full set, was it? What was the score in the set that you did win? I don't know. It's not, it's not relevant. Victoria Azarenka, she's got a new coach, David. And I'm, she's, I'm trying uh, to get around how you actually won. Oh, I forget it. <laughs> uh, so Victoria Azarenka, yeah, she's coming back in the summer. Full, di- full disclosure is overrated. Uh, she, she's, she's planning on coming back uh, for the US Open series, which would mean sort of post-Wimbledon, might see her in Washington maybe. Uh, certainly uh, it would be, where is the women's? The women's is Toronto this year, isn't it? Toronto and Cincinnati basically is what we're talking about. And she's got a new coach, uh, former coach of Sharapova. It's exciting, isn't it? I would be excited at the prospect of her return. Yeah. No question, and she sounds so excited herself. Um, you know, this is a player who has been training hard uh, in, 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 the, uh, in the time that she's had available to do so. And what, what was interesting as well was she was making very clear that she does not want to come back until physically she feels like all the, the bases are covered, that she has got herself to a, a, a condition that she can cope with the rigours of tennis again and the tour again and, and I, I, I'm pleased to hear that I'm pleased that she's not just just going to rush back I think she sometimes played tennis injured really there were times where she would have huge amounts of bandaging around a thigh or something like that and you know it's, it's unsatisfactory to me to have one of the, the game's really top players of which she was just playing sort of lame I'd rather not see a player take to the court in that condition and if freshness is is the key to success as it seems to be in 2017 boy is she going to be well maybe she won't be fresh because she's been up in the middle of the night with a baby but I suspect she has a nanny to help with that personally I think she will be flying if she can cope physically I think she's going to be a force again very soon I think so too and I I think that will be great I really really think that will be a fantastic thing to see her back and um, yeah hopefully competing for major titles again in the men's side of things What's been happening? We should say we're recording this on Monday late morning, early afternoon. Uh, coming up later today is Federer against El Pocho, which is going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. What's going to happen in that? I was going to not do predictions because they'll be, I mean, it'll be completely out of date by the time there. everyone listens to this. Humiliate um, I think Federer is going to win. Yeah. I mean, I probably think he will too, but yeah. Very interesting. They're really interesting, yeah. They met 20 times. Have they? Yeah, that's more times. 15-5 is the head-to-head so, in Federer's favour. Really? But that was, for, I mean, I, 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 I would can't think, think of that many Federer on form would have them. the ability to rush Del Potro, who, who as powerful as he is and a good mover as he is for his size, you know, he, he doesn't have those that feeling of explosiveness off the spot and ability to turn quickly in quite the same way that certain other players, well, Djokovic or somebody more lithe and light might have. So if Federer's on, he, he, more than ever now, he can rush players, can't he? So that, that will probably be the deciding factor. But, you know, you never he, know with one Martin Del Potro. He, uh, in the last round, Federer, he beat Francis Tierfo, um, who mustered, I thought, a really decent 
challenge against Federer, 7-6, 6-3, 7 What did you make of TFA? It's obviously not the first time we've seen him play, but first time I've seen him matched up against as good a player as Federer. I thought it was a real benchmark for him. I really like him. I hope, I hope he does make it to top 10. I think it's probably a bit early to say that he definitely can do that. I love the way he plays. The speed at which he can move his right arm is unbelievable. The disguise he gets on his shots, it's it's like a it's like a snake's tongue, the whip of that right arm. It, it, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Yeah. And the way the way he guides the the backhand, it changes direction on the ball. He looks to me like somebody he's bolted up very quickly hasn't he he was very only a year ago less than a year ago he was very gangly he'd go into full height I think he's six foot two now but still very gangly and he he really looks an impressive athletic specimen now but it looks like it's happened very quickly and he's really still adjusting to that much like you know Alex Ferguson always used to beef up his players didn't he when they came into Old Trafford they would sort of beef up over the course of a year and sometimes they just looked a bit awkward as a yeah. result of that for a while yeah. and to me there's an element to that but if he can really grow into his body I so hope I so yeah. hope he can do yeah, it he's, he's good news for the sport is uh, Francis TFO in terms of he's so engaging he's likeable he, he, he's non-stop talking I mean if you when we had him at uh, Queen's last year down in the player lounge you, you you never saw Francis TFO not having a conversation with somebody. He he just loves to 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 spend time with people. He's a very gregarious character, it seems to me, and everybody appears to like him. Even Nick Kyrgios likes him. I mean, goodness sake. Um, so um, you know, Francis TFO is, is is somebody you want to be a star because he's got so much to offer. I haven't seen enough of him on the court to to form a, a really strong opinion yet. I mean, listening to to certain coaches and, and commentators that, that have and, and that whose opinion I would respect that they, they think highly of him but there isn't the feeling, the overwhelming feeling that this is an absolute cast iron guarantee to be a top player so jury's out for me a little, I, I think he'll be a top 50 player I think he'll probably be higher than that whether he'll be much higher than that I, I, don't, I just don't know at this stage I, I, just, I hope he will Yeah I feel the same, I'm not willing to pin colours to the mast about sort of top 15 top 10 but I think I think I think top 20 I think I, I think I'm yeah go on top 20. Um, you've mentioned Nick Kyrgios I know you want to talk about Nick Kyrgios he's done a uh, well first and foremost he's playing Queens which is great he's pretty clear on the fact that he thinks he can win both Queens and Wimbledon isn't he and I love he's pretty that. unequivocal about I, that I yeah. love that it's just nice for me I mean I know I'm his uh his biggest fan in so many David's ways. David's got his pom-poms out. And <laughs> I, look, I, I do love watching the guy play tennis. I, he amuses me. So do me. I. He, so he do does I. amuse me. He sometimes appalls me. But he does amuse me. And, I, and I, I, think, I like the openness. I like the fact that he's not afraid to say that he knows he's good and that he thinks if he plays really well that he can beat everybody. And frankly, he's, he's backing that well, up. Well, he's right. He's proving that. Well, he's so, right, apart from we didn't get to see him play Federer last week. No, but, but he has yeah. beaten him before. There is only Andy Murray that he has yet to beat, really, uh, of all the top players. So I, 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 I like the, he did this Q&A on Twitter last night. He was asked goodness knows how many questions about his, his expectations, his thoughts on basketball and tennis and football and everything. And I just like the fact that he seems so utterly unguarded and, you know, no filter works for me most of the time yeah there's definitely no filter when you're using third person self-referential hashtags like hashtag fine nk and hashtag nk rising is there well, that's my issue it's the i mean i just can't i've got no truck with that i can't okay, hold I just, on a minute you know i like i love watching him play tennis in many ways, I really like the bloke. I found the Twitter Q&A very entertaining. 
but hashtag NK Rising is not something I can get on board with. Nor this... can I get on board with NK Nation, go forth and burn this shade thrower. <laughs> NK Nation. Yeah, go on, NK Nation. I think Nation. that's a reference to his fan base. Yeah, it is. So you are a member of the NK Nation, David. Congratulations. No, I'm not. Yes, I'm not, you are. I'm not that, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't. It doesn't bother me in the slightest, um, to be honest, because I think he's playful. I think he, I think he's just messing around most he, of the time. He is thoroughly entertaining. He's playing Ivo Karlovic tonight. Yeah, I he think that could, could drive him to distraction. Yeah, that could be really interesting. Yeah, but then, then dim again, the on-court microphones for that one, on-court coaching or not. I, it's also the sort of match that I think will just have him highly tuned in I, I think he will, will it yeah I think so I oh. think he'll be ready for it he was against Feliciano Lopez at Wimbledon last year I think he'll be be desperate to show that he can return that serve well I hope that's the only way he's going to win it because you, you have to be highly tuned in against Karlovic because what you'll get one or two opportunities per set I think you don't take good. those. I think his return of serve is pretty good. You know, he's got that yeah. short backswing on the backhand. He's beaten Milos Raonic a number of times now. I think he just—he's quite good at blocking and stabbing and making it, making the ball back over the net. Yeah, let's move on because this will be out of date by the time. I think he probably—I think he probably will win, but it could uh, could go wrong. You've mentioned Raonic; he's injured again. David hamstring, poor bloke. Yeah, terrible shame. It's not good, is terrible it? shame for Milos Raonic. This is a. Uh, something that keeps happening to him and it's and it's the thing that people like Andy Murray are going to have to watch out for in their return from injury it, it's not that easy how do you replicate the stresses and strains of a, a high octane tennis match it's it's not easy so uh, well you ask Roger Federer for, for tips that's, that's what you do about how to come back from injury uh, David's given me the wrap up signal this is not the first time well, David Law has done this what I would point out David that, that if, if you hadn't have snuck in pole vault we'd be bang on time so imagine if we'd have removed down, every reference to down. your wins we're still going to talk about um, I've just got two two more things Go David on, if you don't mind uh, Grigor Dimitrov what's he playing at had such a great year he's just lost to Guido Pella yeah. And I've said Guido Pella in the same way Nick Kyrgios did at Madrid last year. You did? Guido Pella. I mean, you of all people, at least <laughs> yeah, Nick Kyrgios has got the goods to be able to say that. You, what have you got? <laughs> I've become a monster She's won since one yesterday. tennis match become and now a she's happy to dismiss Argentina's top five Come player. on, though. Come on. So, Just to Jack Sock last week. Okay, Sock reached the semi-finals and it was a, it was a tough three-setter, but he would have wanted to do a lot better, Dimitrov. Yeah, he would have done. Uh, I, I think it... Partially, I mean, A, it shows how great the really top players are, that they keep on churning out the results. You know, the, the assumption is, and uh, I'm guilty of it too, is that Grigor Dimitrov and Coco van der Wey get to the semi-finals of the Australian Open and will just carry on doing that. They've won one match between them over the course of Indian Wells and Miami. It's not that easy. You've, and also, I think there's also an assumption that the conditions in Australia will be the same in Indian Wells and Miami because they're on a hard court in a hot country the three tournaments are totally different in terms of feel it would appear and uh, they were unable to make the necessary adjustments I, I don't really know why I didn't watch those matches but yeah well the good news for Dimitrov is he is approaching a portion of the season where he has literally nothing to defend because it's almost exactly a year ago since the uh, ignominy of uh, the Istanbul final followed by the seven consecutive losses uh, so yeah he's going to be silver line not under pressure on the clay let's put it that way and I suspect I, I, I don't know but my guess is he's not going back to Istanbul to defend oh, those I points know. I think he'd be quite happy to I, don't, I have no idea but we wish you well, Grigor. We wish you well going forth onto the clay. Hashtag, hashtag GD Army. Um, <laughs> and finally, David, and finally, I think it's safe to say if there was a GD Army, we would be in that, wouldn't we? Anyway, maybe we are the GD Army. I mean, no uh, finally, David, Dominic Team. Yeah. Dominic Team. Well, he lost, didn't he? He lost he a match lost. against. He uh, was woeful. Who was it? Born to Chorich. I mean, Chorich. good win for Chorich, he and well. he needs good wins, yeah. Chorich. He, d- he does. Um, because he's a bit of a, a forgotten member of the hashtag next gen. Uh, but Dominic T- You've, a, a, you've look, seen the racket smash, presumably. I have. It was magnificent. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, do search for Dominic Team's ra- latest racket smash. And he made sure with about four hammers into the ground. Uh, and I've never seen a racket look quite like that when it's finished. Uh, I'm not saying... I, I'm kind of saying you, it's fun, but I probably shouldn't. Um, so I think that we should not pay any attention to Dominic Team's loss I think you've got to give it six months 
you've got to, you cannot judge it. I mean, are you going to judge everybody else then on their on their early round losses? No. Yeah, why, why pick out Dominic Team? Gregor Dimitrov lost has won one match in Miami and Indian Wells. That's less than Dominic Team. Why why pick on Dominic Team? Yeah, fine, okay. So give him six That's months. That's the end of the tennis podcast then, isn't it? Yeah. This has been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport from Great Britain's busiest... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Always station. We'll be back soon. 